Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. This is Henry Lopez, and welcome to this episode of The How of Business. My guest today is Jerry Detweiler. Jerry, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Looking forward to this conversation. A lot of great information. Jerry is back on the show to help us understand all of the new COVID-19 relief programs that are available for small business owners. So that's where we're going to dive into. If you want to receive more information about the Howa business, including all of the things, links to all the things we're going to talk about on this show, you'll go to the show notes page for this episode at thehowabusiness.com. So Jerry is back on the show. For those of you who have not listened in the past to her episodes, she's been on three different times before. She's been a great resources resource to me and to our listeners on all things related to credit. But after COVID happened, she was on a couple of times last year, helping us understand and navigate and decipher all of the different uh, relief programs that have been available to small business owners. And then she was on way back on episode 240, sharing her insights and expertise on personal and small business, business credit. Let me tell you a little bit more about Jerry. Jerry Detweiler is a credit expert and the education director for NAV, that's N-A-V, NAV. She has more than three decades of experience in consumer credit education, has been interviewed in more than 3,500 news articles, and has answered over 10,000 credit questions online. Her articles have been widely syndicated on sites such as MSN, Forbes, and MarketWatch. She's the author and co-author of five different books, including finance your own business, get on the finance fast track. And she has also testified before Congress on consumer credit legislation. Jerry lives in Sarasota, Florida. So once again, Jerry Detweiler, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you. It's glad to, glad to be back. And doesn't it just seem like yesterday, Henry, we were just talking about this. And here it we does. go again. And but business, are. yes, but business owners still need help. So we so still need help. help. And there's them. and there's some good news here and, and uh, the new things that are available, right? Yes. Um, but what I thought I wanted to start on because there's some of what just got enacted into law at the end of December, I believe it was, impacts I'm included, those of us who got PPP loans, the payroll protection uh, or payroll protection program loans back in 2020, as I did. So like some of you listening, after COVID hit, that first uh, CARES Act was enacted. There were the PPP loans. I got one for several of my businesses. But now there's been some, some new news. One of the things in particular, Jerry, is we've been waiting to get guidance on forgiveness for those loans. So let's start there. What, what do you know about that process and when I can submit my application for forgiveness? Well, lenders have been processing forgiveness applications through the SBA and some loans have been forgiven. So you definitely want to check with your lender. That's the only place where you can go to get your PPP loan forgiven because that's the lender who gave you the loan. Now there is a brand new application form well, I say new, it's updated, but uh, I think it came out yesterday. So we're talking 
January, you know, mid-January. It's the 3508S. And this was a form that was out last year. If you had a loan of $50,000 or less, it was a simplified forgiveness form. Well, in the stimulus legislation that passed on December 27th of 2020, uh, they mandated that the SBA create create a one-page forgiveness form for loans of $150,000 or less. And that's actually a, a significant portion of PPP loans. You can use that form, even if you got a PPP loan in 2020, if it hasn't been forgiven, or if you get one of the newer loans that we'll talk about. So this is a one-page form. Basically, all you do is check a few boxes saying you're going to use the funds properly, how many, you know, how many jobs is it the loan saving, that kind of thing. Now, there's a couple of caveats, though, that I will just suggest. One is that if you have a loan between $50,000 and $150,000, you don't have to fill out all those calculations about reductions in employees if that applies to you, but you still have to calculate it. In other words, you don't have to sh- you don't have to submit it with the application, but you still have to calculate it and and you could be audited. So I do want business owners to understand that even with the simplified forgiveness, you still have to keep track of how you're spending your money. Okay. You still have to spend it properly, which is generally 60% or more on payroll related costs that are acceptable. And then you want to keep those records because you could be audited. I think it's, it's up to four years for um, some of the documentation that you need. So just keep that in mind, but it is a much, much simpler process. So Henry, I don't know how much you got, but if you fall in that $150,000 or less, um, you might check out that new 3508S uh, forgiveness form. Absolutely. Right. Great stuff there. Yeah. So, and I'm glad you clarified in my case, I got them through Wells Fargo. And as of, I think it was yesterday, I last checked, they're still not accepting those forgiveness applications. So I'm glad you made the qualifier and a good clarification. Some loans have already been forgiven. It depends on your loan because again, the forgiveness part is not processed by the SBA. It's by the bank that issued you that loan. Correct. Well, they accept the application. They have a few things they have to do, and then they do submit it eventually to the SBA the to get it forgiven. Does. My bank because does, they, yeah. yeah, they need to get paid right by the SBA because the loan's forgiven. The government's paying for that loan, so there is a process for them to submit and get forgiveness from the SBA. Now, I want to point out one thing that I think is fantastic that came out of the stimulus bill, and that is if you also got an economic injury disaster loan or EIDL or EIDL grant, that was up to ten thousand dollars that does, doesn't have to be repaid. It's based on $1,000 per employee. Previously, lenders had to subtract that grant out of the PPP forgiveness. So it kind of turned that into a loan, which is yeah. not really what Congress intended. The stimulus bill eliminated that. So the new forgiveness forms, like someone just asked me today about their, their forgiveness form, but they were looking at an old one. The new ones don't require you to subtract the EIDL grant. And if you already did that, and I do have some friends who have gotten forgiveness already and they had to subtract that out, the SBA must come up with a procedure to make them whole so that that doesn't turn into a, a, a loan from their PPP, uh, from the PPP side. So I know I'm throwing out a lot of acronyms here. So no, but that's, that's, a, that's such a great thing that came up because that was such a, a challenge. And that's why when you, when you were on the show last at the end of last year, your advice for most people was to wait on forgiveness because we were still waiting from clarification and you were thinking that some of this might come along, which it has, right? But again, if you've already gotten forgiveness, you can still get that 
rest of that money forgiven as well. There just is a process we're waiting for from the SBA, if I'm understanding you correctly. Yes, correct. So we're waiting for the guidance on the SBA on how the lenders need to to process that for. But that's those. that's huge, right? Because again, if I had gotten a thousand or ten thousand dollars, it used to be that I had to subtract that, and then that then that portion, that amount as it related to however much I got from the PPP was not forgivable, but now it doesn't affect the forgiveness of the PPP loan at all. Yes, that's right. And the other very related provision is that the EIDL grant, so if you got the grant, not the loan, the loan's not taxable as a loan, or if you got a PPP loan forgiven, we knew that the PPP forgiven loan would not be taxable, but the EIDL grant, no one said a word about it. And, And as far as tax code goes, it would be taxable normally, but the stimulus bill eliminated um, federal taxes on the EIDL grant. So there's no federal taxes, no federal taxes on your forgiven PPP loan. And for both of those, which they both work out to be a grant, right? Cause you don't have to pay the money back right. for both of those. If you spend the money on expenses that are normally tax deductible, you can still take that tax deduction. So that's big yeah, for that, some that's businesses huge. as that's well. Huge, Cause that was one that was really open. There was a lot of confusion about all last year as to whether now I couldn't also deduct those expenses, but I can. Yes. So good news on the tax front, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to PPP and EIDL. That's right. Now, uh, even though like in my case, I I took the PPP loan, Wells Fargo hasn't opened up accepting yet the forgiveness applications. That did not keep me from, let's talk about now what's new in the relief package. And that is that I just applied earlier this week. Uh, and again, in my case, Wells Fargo opened up their online application. I think it was on Tuesday and I submitted for what's called the second draw, right? So tell us about that. Yes. So the stimulus bill provided more funding for PPP loans. And there are three options here. One is if you missed out the first time, you can still get your first time PPP loan. So under the same provisions that we had last time, except there's a few additional organizations that might qualify, certain news organizations, chambers of commerce, and a few others, destination marketing organizations that may qualify. But for the most part, it's the same rules as before. You can get your first time PPP loan. So the PPP loan is based on generally two and a half times average monthly payroll. And then they also provided this new section, which provides for second draw loans. And this this is for a business that already got a PPP loan, but then um, still needs more money. And there are a few more guardrails around the second draw PPP loan. For the second draw, for the first one, you can generally have up to 500 employees. For the second, 300 employees is the max. And then you have to demonstrate a 25% reduction in revenues for one quarter in 2020 compared to a comparable quarter in 2019. There are some um, other calculations. If you weren't in business all of 2019, if you're a seasonal business, there are some alternative time periods that you can use. But And if you're self-employed and you're in business or if generally, if you're in business all of 2019 and 2020, you can actually compare your annual uh, gross receipts 2020 to 2019. And you're, you're basically trying to say, hey, at least in one quarter, or maybe for the whole year, I had a 25% reduction in my gross receipts. And that enables you to qualify for the second draw or your second PPP loan. Yeah. Yeah, great clarification. And, you know, fortunate in this regard, fortunate in one regard, 
you know, my yogurt shop, that's what we're demonstrating is that we definitely had more than a 25% drop, let's say in the fourth quarter, if we decide to use that quarter compared to the same, um, the fourth quarter in 2019. So that'll be what we show there. Um, my wife, who has a travel consulting business, as you can imagine, she has had more than a 25% drop. So we're using that justification to apply for the second draw for her. Yeah. yeah and I, I got a question yesterday from a reader of my article on the blog. And he, he said, well, overall, my business was up in 2020, but I was down in one quarter. Mm. You know, do I really qualify just Good based question. on that one quarter? And according to the, um, you know, what the legislation, the guidance says, the answer is yes. Now you do have to certify when you take your PPP loan. This is true of first or second PPP loans that economic uncertainty makes there in the economic, I think it's the economic uncertainty makes it necessary, <laughs> you know, to, to get the loan for the, and, and really we don't know what's going to happen this year. I mean, we, we really don't. I, right. I, I don't know if, if, if either of us thought we'd be talking about more PPP in January of 2021, right. when we last talked last year, we were hoping it would be more short lived than that. So, um, so most businesses, you know, if they operate in good faith, they're going to be fine with that. Yeah, agreed. So you, you referred to your blog post. That's where I've, I've read so much of this. And so I want to point people to it's, it's on nav.com, nav.com. And then do I click on the blog link at the top, Jerry? Is that how I get to this latest post that you put up that has all this detail? Yes. And I also have a short link. So if you just go to nav, nav.com slash PPP, lowercase PPP, ah, it goes right to the article as well. And I'll have a link to that on the show notes page at thehowabusiness.com in case you forget that. Now, the other thing with this with this second draw, if I understood it correctly, correctly for most businesses, it's again, two and a half times the average monthly payroll in one year in that year prior, or, but for hospitality and businesses with an NAICS code of 72, which I looked it up and surprisingly, my wife's business, which is a travel consultant, doesn't fall in that category, but uh, anyway, but if you do fall in those categories in the hospitality industry, then it's three and a half times, right? That's right. So for a second draw PPP loan, if your NAICS code starts in 72, and again, that's usually food service and accommodations type mm -hmm. businesses, right. then you get three and a half times average uh, monthly payroll. I make sure I say payroll. Sometimes I say revenue because my brain is <laughs> all over the place here, but it is payroll. And yeah. for someone who's self-employed, who files a schedule C, you can still use, um, you can use either your 2019 or your 2020 net profit. You know, you're self-employed, you're an independent contractor, you're a gig worker, whatever it may be. You can use your 2019 or 2020 net profit. And you find that online 31 of your schedule C. Now I know this is tough because we're just at the very beginning of the year and you may not have your books up to date. You may not have gotten all the 1099s, you know, do the best you can. The, uh, what the SBA says is you don't have to have filed your tax return, but you do need to fill it out and it does need to be accurate. So interesting because the, the in. application I just completed for Wells Fargo, they allowed me to use the, my 2019 return information. Yes. And you can use 2019. Okay. I'm saying okay. for someone who maybe discovers, Hey, I my see. 2020 number would get me more money because right. maybe I had more payroll in 2020. If that's the case, then you're going to have to catch up pretty quickly. Or for example, I know some businesses suffered a loss in 2019. 
So they didn't qualify on that Schedule C, um, and that's someone without employees. Uh, and then in 2020, they might have qualified, but they're still trying to scramble to do their taxes. So it's it's going to be you know it's going to be rough for some business owners, but overall, because we've been through this before, overall, I would say the process is so much more smooth. The SBA is coming out with guidance much more quickly than last time. And so there are fewer of those instances where people are just left completely hanging. Yeah. Just a, a qualifier, you know, in the case of my wife, where it's just her, no employees, she though, the way that our taxes are structured and I'm not a CPA, we don't have a schedule C, which what we used was her 1099. Essentially we treated her as a subcontractor because she is in her travel consultants, while though she's her own entity, she's actually technically from a tax perspective, a subcontractor. And so she gets a 1099. Mm -hmm. And so we used the value on the 1099 and that's how we got that. That's what we used the first time around. And that's what we're using the second time around. Yes. The SBA does have a, um, a good guide that talks about how to calculate your maximum loan amount uh, with different business types, because it can get complicated with partnerships, S-corps, do you count owner's draw, do you not, do you count distributions, et cetera. And I feel like they've finally come out with something that's pretty useful. You need a few, you need some familiarity with some accounting terms, but if you you don't know, you talk to your accountant and and have them help you. I will tell you, I mean, I submitted the application and this is no no bashing of Wells Fargo. It's not the easy. It's easier than it was, but there's still, you know, it took me a while to think through and put together the numbers, even though, as it turned out, we, we filed essentially the same thing because we used the same documentation, but um, it's tricky. You know, you got to really give yeah. it some thought. So if, if you, if these numbers or these terms throw you, then you, you should get the help of your CPA, right? Exactly. Yep. Okay. I understand that we, if we're going to file, uh, I think March 31st is the deadline, uh, but I wouldn't wait until then, but I think that's the deadline. Is that right? The deadline right now is March 31st of 2021. Uh, depending on how this round of funding goes, we have a new president, new administration. I would not be surprised if you know, there was some extension or some additional relief, but as of today, yes, that is the deadline that you have. Great. Uh, your recommendation though is to file as soon as possible. Yeah, as soon as you have the information you need to apply, I would go ahead and apply. Uh, so just to, just to fill in someone who may not be familiar with this, what happens is your application goes to a lender and there are lenders all over the country making these uh, loans. If you don't have a lender, NAV will match you to one. We're happy to do that for free. There's no cost for that. And then when the, you fill out your application with the lender, the lender's going to do their thing to basically ensure that it's reasonably accurate. And then they submit it to the SBA and there's a SBA system called eTran and all those applications have to get funneled through eTran. So it, you know, it's, it's definitely better than last time, but, <laughs> but it does take a little while because then the lender gets the approval from SBA then they are able to disperse the funds to you. And that's when that clock starts ticking for you to spend the money in the proper way so that it's forgiven. So fill out the application, do the best you can. And then while you're waiting to hear back from the lender, then I would read about forgiveness Mm -hmm. because then that will help answer your questions about how can I spend this money so that I can maximize my forgiveness. Uh, If, you know, if, if it isn't forgiven, it's a 1% loan for five years, not a bad deal, but ideally if it's forgiven, it's not taxable. That's, that's like a grant and that's, that's ideal. That's what we want. Yeah. 
This is Henry Lopez with a brief pause to share a special offer from our new show sponsor, GoSite. I have a question for you. Is your business engaging with customers online? You know your customers expect a seamless and easy digital experience, especially during the pandemic, but how can you actually make it happen? You're already working hard from sunup to sundown on your business. You don't have the time to build a website, manage online reviews, and get set up to accept online bookings and payments. But it's not impossible. With GoSite, you can move your entire operation online easily with everything you need to run your business in one place. GoSite provides an all-in-one online platform that makes it easier for your customers to find, book, and pay for your services. Just take Liz as an example. Her landscaping business gained over $260,000 in online sales from new customers in their local area and used GoSite to make it easier for their existing customers to pay and book their services online. Check out the all-in-one platform from GoSite that makes it easier for your customers to find, book, and pay for your services online instantly. Best of all, you don't need any technical experience to get started. Go to gosite.com forward slash podcast to get started for free. That's gosite.com slash podcast to get started today for free. As you were saying, getting prepared, I found, I'll put the link on, on the show notes page, but I found a great checklist you have on the NAV website on getting prepared. It's called the Paycheck Protection Program Documentation Prep List. Great. And I thought that was a great checklist that spells it out very easily what you need to have documentation-wise. Great, great. And I, I, you know, we mentioned it earlier, but I'll reiterate, if you're finding this overwhelming, I I wouldn't, don't pass it up because you're overwhelmed, you know, work with an accounting professional. The way I look at it, this is like landing a client or a customer. And depending on how much you get, it could be 10,000 or 100,000 or, you know, maximum is 2 million for a second draw loan. Um, it could be a significant amount of money that is really necessary for your business right now. So if you need to spend a little money on an accountant who can help you get things up to date or help you fill out the application or fill out the form properly, that may be a good investment of your time uh, so that you can, again, get a loan that it could be 100% forgiven tax-free. Yeah, I agree, Jerry. I'm glad you clarify this because I, I'm sure you observed this as well. I know I observed last year to my surprise, but, but I get it. People were just paralyzed and they did nothing. And then it was too late by the time they kind of thought, well, maybe I should apply. Yes. So get the help that you need. And I, you're making a great point because as I so often talk about in this show, so many small business owners, their finances are a mess. Let's be honest. They, you know, their books are not up to date. And, and so, but don't let that be why you don't take advantage of this program that you deserve to take advantage of as a, as a business owner that was impacted by COVID. This is how our government is helping us to hopefully get us through this time. It would be a shame to not take advantage of it because you're intimidated by the process or you don't have your financials in order, get some help and go get this money if you can. I agree. And what we're seeing this time around is most lenders want to see that you have a business bank account. So they may ask you to open one, or if you don't have one, you may have to open one with them if they're, if they have a, you know, banking uh, arm or open up one separately. And that's something I've been talking about 
as long as I've been at NAV, which is you need a business <laughs> bank account. Absolutely. That's that's where your business funds should go and only business expenses um, should be paid out of that, including paying yourself, of course, but you write yourself a check and then you pay your personal bills out of your personal account. So this is another reminder of just how crucial that is and helpful. You do not have to have an incorporated business. You do not even have, have to have a business license as far as this program goes. Now, maybe right. your state or local you know, government wants you to have one, but for this program, you don't have to have that. But if you put those things in place, then going forward, as we come out of this, eventually you're going to be in a much better position to be successful. Yeah. Great point. Great point. Uh, and then you touched on it. The other thing I had heard last year was people were like, well, what if I can't get it forgiven? Now I've got this loan. First of all, the, the, the rules on forgiveness, if you applied for it, then you should be applying for it for stuff that was legitimate. So you're, I don't think you're going to have a problem. But as Jerry mentioned, the terms here, even if you don't get it forgiven, we're talking about five years. We're talking about 1% interest, no fees, no prepayment penalties, no personal guarantee, no collateral. I think that's under 150 or something like that. So it's really a no-brainer as far as the terms go. Yes, correct. And they expanded the non-payroll expenses that can qualify for, for forgiveness. And this is true for even someone like you, Henry, who hasn't applied for forgiveness yet. If you had spent money on things, they, they call them new categories of covered expenses, but they might include things like PPE. Uh, if, you, if your yoga shop had to put in sneeze guards, if you had to add a drive-in window to serve customers that way. So those all are all those legitimate kind. expenses now. Yes, yes, that can count toward your forgiven amount, the 40% that you can spend on non-payroll uh, expenses. And that's quite extended. So I would, um, I would encourage a business that might have done things like that, especially a physical business like yours, where you have customers coming in, you probably had to take certain measures absolutely, absolutely. to protect your employees and your customers. Um, that expands that. So again, that's retroactive. As long as your loan has not been forgiven, you can count those expenses if they were spent during the right time frame. Now, has it already been specified that this second draw will also be forgivable? I apologize yep. if the we okay, okay. Yes. That's what I thought. Yep. Uh, now we'll we'll have to wait for direction or will it kind of be the same process? Like like if I get the loan, uh, do we have any expectation on then when I'll be open to apply for forgiveness? Is there? Yeah, okay. yeah. So this round, um, uh, amazingly, they they actually published, it's, it's almost a book, I have to say, <laughs> <laughs> but they published the forgiveness um, guidelines already. So that's okay. fantastic. That's pretty, pretty fast considering mm -hmm. the program, you know, fully open this week. Uh, so they have a whole document that you can read through that will explain the forgiveness procedures. Very, very similar for round two, you know, with the exception of they add on this simplified form, they add on these additional um, expenses that may qualify. But here's the bigger thing. Before, when, P when uh, the CARES Act first came out, PPP first came out, it was, you had eight weeks to spend the money. So the money hits your bank account, you have eight weeks to spend it and then apply for forgiveness. Then they did the PPP Flexibility Act in June, and that gave either eight or 24 weeks. Now with this new legislation, it's eight to 24 weeks. So you choose the time period, eight to 24 weeks to spend the money. And then after you've you know, met that time period, then you can apply for forgiveness. So it's more flexible than the past um, covered periods for forgiveness. 
Mm-hmm. Wonderful, wonderful. I, I thought I'd just clarify, we're recording this episode. Uh, today is January 21st. But when you're listening to this episode, it's going to go live February 1st in another week or so. Uh, so just to give some reference to when we say this week or last week, uh, we're, we're recording this as we speak, January 21st. Good point. Things may change a little bit, but we have some pretty good, pretty good information at this point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, is there anything new? Uh, so that's PPP. Anything else that we haven't covered there as, as it relates to the payroll protection program? I think those are the highlights. The only other thing I would add is if you went for PPP the first time and you freaked out and sent back your loan or you didn't take the full loan or you read these articles that made you afraid that you were going to be audited for fraud and and even if you weren't, you know, you weren't planning to use it fraudulently, you were just got scared. There is an option to go back to your lender. And there's also an option. There are a couple of different types of businesses, partnerships in particular, very confusing about how partners can count payroll. And so many partners didn't count their own payroll. They counted for employees, but not for themselves. Seasonal businesses, that's changed. So you can go back to your lender and potentially get the difference uh, between what you actually, you know, qualified for, versus what you took. So that's another option. As part of the second draw, you can add, I also add in the difference on the first draw. No, it's actually no, a third, no. it's a separate process. Separate process. So it's, your, okay. it's, it's basically making you whole on that first loan. And then presumably um, you could still get a second loan. You do have to certify that you either have or will have used your first PPP loan by the time you take the second, by the time the second draw is deposited. So, I have had questions. People go, I need a first one, then quick get a second one. I, maybe, but it'd be tough because we're, yeah. you know, we're already in Jan- mid January. By the time this airs, February, it would be tough to meet those time frames. But um, I, I think most for most business owners, because the pro- first round closed near the end of August, for most business owners, uh, they're not going to have any problem meeting that requirement because their eight to twenty four weeks is up. Any, uh, anything you've heard, I, I read the amount that's allocated, but are there any thoughts or opinions floating around as to how long this is going to last, the amount that we have funded this time? Yeah, that's a great question. What we've seen so far from NAV, from the uh, business owners that we've been helping, uh, is smaller loan amounts. So I do think this round is probably going to be um, targeting the the businesses that Congress really wanted to help in this round, which are smaller businesses that either missed out in the first round or maybe um, had trouble applying and now they're ready to do so. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to remain, you know, cautiously optimistic that we will end this round with people who wanted to apply getting, you know, getting the chance at least right. to apply and hopefully get the funding they need. And as I mentioned, I, Biden's already proposed more, uh, stimulus. So who knows okay, what's coming good. down? Yeah. So it's unlikely that we're going to run out of funds like happened last time. So that's, that's good to know. I'm and again, crossing my fingers, lim- Henry. Yeah, <laughs> we don't know. And this limitation is good. Yeah. I mean, it's, I happen to have two of those businesses that were most highly impacted. So that's, again, that focus on hospitality uh, is understandable. All right. Is there anything new for uh, the EIDL, the Economic Impact Disaster Loans? Anything new there that is part of this new act? Yes. So this, I'm still trying to work out a few details on this, but here's what I know so far. So the new legislation contained um, 
uh, what are called targeted EIDL grants or advances. They use the word advance. It means grant. It's money you don't have to repay. And for those who don't know what I'm talking about, the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program, which is available for all kinds of disasters, not just the COVID disaster, um, provides um, economic assistance, uh, low interest rate loans to help businesses get back on their feet. 3.75% for 30 years, not a bad deal at all. But those loans, um, the they also created a grant in the CARES Act of up to ten thousand dollars, and everyone got very excited. They thought we're gonna they were gonna get ten thousand dollars, and then the SBA decided to administer it at one thousand dollars per employee. So if you were a self-employed person, you might've just gotten a thousand dollars. If you had 10 employees, you might've gotten $10,000. Uh, but there were a lot of smaller businesses that only got a thousand, 2000, or maybe they didn't get anything because the funding ran out before they could process all the requests for it. So this legislation has $20 billion in it for these targeted advances. And the way it works is if you, if you didn't get that full $10,000, or if you didn't get anything because funding ran out by the time they processed your request for the EIDL, then you may be eligible for the full $10,000. It's not tied to the number of employees. Instead, it's tied to two different factors. One is your business must be located in a low-income community, and they have some general information right now. There's a definition in the legislation. There's a census tool I've linked to in my article that might be helpful, but we're still waiting for the SBA, SBA to really make that clear how that works. But you need to be located in low-income community and you have to have suffered a 30% um, economic um, you know, impact, basically similar to the 25% we talked about with the PPP, where it's a, it, you take a comparison period from 2020, compare it to a previous period and show that your, you know, your revenues drop by 30%. If you meet those qualifications, then you may get that full 10,000 EIDL grant, which now we know is not taxable and not subtracted from PPP. So that's um, very exciting for the businesses that may qualify. I have heard lots of frustration from businesses that maybe aren't located in those communities, but have been impacted. Um, but that's the way the program works right now. You do not apply for it. Instead, because you already applied last year for EIDL, the uh, SBA will reach out to you. Oh, and if they think you're eligible, we'll let you know how to um, continue the process. So don't call us, we'll call you. Yeah. Don't call us. They do <laughs> not want those phone calls and they don't want you to submit another application either. You'll nice. just get a duplicate application. Uh, you know, message. So, okay. So that explains then they, as they get clarity, they'll look at my, cause I, I'm an example of my wife submitted only one employee only got a thousand dollars. So if they find as they process these, if they find that her business address is in a low income community, then they will send her another $9,000 potentially. Is that what you're saying? Yes. They'll invite her to document to the 30% impact. Wow. And if she meets that requirement, then yes, then she could get that additional $9,000 okay. uh, grant. I wish it was a little easier for businesses to check whether they're in a low income community. Again, there is a tool that I've linked to in my article that's um, from census that probably does the trick, but it's a little, it's not super user-friendly. It's not like right. you just type in your zip code and says, yes, you know, you, you qualify. Um, but Plus it, you don't know yet yeah. exactly what data 
the SBA is going to use to make that determination. Right, right. I, I, I would want to, I'd really want them to clarify it before I feel confident saying, here's how you determine this. But at least it could let you poke around and get an idea because sometimes it may not be as you think. Um, it just may depend on the incomes in that particular area where the business is located. If you operate your business from home and you have a home address, then presumably that will be the address that will be um, used. I think I did see a mention, like if you have a, a food truck, it's where the food truck is normally p- parked. I think I mm-hmm. saw that reference. So there's, there are going to be a li- there are going to be a few, you know, yeah. situations that won't fall in the normal boundaries, but at least there's uh, look, at least there's some hope for Absolutely. more business owners to get that grant. And in the meantime, EIDL, the loan itself has more funding. So you can still apply through the end of 2021 for an EIDL loan. And again, that's 3.75% interest for 30 years. And that's pretty good um, for most businesses for a a fairly unsecured loan. Uh, Above $25,000, they do place a UCC filing. So there is essentially collateral for a loan above $25,000. So you're not pledging anything specifically. Okay. So if I did not apply at all for the EIDL and in particular last year, when you were applying, you would check the box that says, yes, I want to ten up to $10,000 grant. If I did not do that, can I apply for that now? Or is there no more applications for the grant portion of it? Um, I wish I knew the answer to that. <laughs> it's not there now. It's not there now. Okay, right. I, so the right only now, reason... there's nothing waiting for me to yes, go fill out right. if I yes. did. Well, you can apply for the loan, but not the grant right the now. Yeah, now, sure. one of my uh, readers said that they saw something. I have not been able to confirm this with the SBA that they will take new grant applications starting in February. So I don't know uh, until right, so we'll I keep until I write about that. it. I don't know for sure. Got it. All right. Great stuff. Wonderful stuff as always, Jerry. Uh, Tell us what's going on at NAB. Obviously we've been touching on it, but what's new at NAV? Well, the good news is as the year wore on, we were seeing more and more lenders come back. So without the the COVID relief loans sort of halted around August, right? When PPP and ended up ended. And then we were seeing more lenders coming back. So that was positive. And now we have this injection of PPP and these this new these new idle grants. The other thing I've been seeing, Henry, is I've been seeing more state and local grants come out again. So we saw okay. a wave of that in March and March through June of 2020. And then it sort of died down. I guess the funds were exhausted, but I'm seeing that again. So I would really encourage business owners to connect with their local SBA resource partner like SCORE or their small business development center, get on the mailing list because you could get an email saying, Hey, you know, our County is offering, I'm in Florida. I just saw a $15,000 grant to help pay rent for businesses located in a certain County in West Florida. So there are those kinds of things that seem to have gotten a second life again. And I would love for people to take advantage of them. It's just can be very locally specific. So you have to stay on top of it. Yep, absolutely. As you know, I'm a SCORE mentor. I'm now with the Broward chapter. So if you go to uh, broward.score.org, as Jerry said, if that's the area you're in or whatever area in, there's a SCORE chapter that serves you and get on their mailing list, like Jerry said. All right, great tips, great stuff. All right, let's wrap it up, Jerry. On this topic, primarily as we're talking about the PPP loan, what, what is your recommended action item that I should go do first? My number one item for 
all business owners, whether they're applying for these COVID relief loans or not, is to really make sure that you get a system in place to keep your bookkeeping up to date. I mean, that's going to that's gonna make everything so much easier. And we're still seeing a lot of business owners who have been struggling with that this past year. So if there's nothing else you can do, that's going to help you with financing. It's going to help you with COVID relief loans. And it's just going to make your life easier too. Great stuff. Where do you want us to go online to learn more and to find your blog? Yeah, nav.com. And if you just put in forward slash PPP, you'll come right to that PPP article. You'll be able to find the EIDL article and uh, ask questions. I answer all the questions I can on my blog as well. Wonderful. Jerry, as always, a wealth of information. Thank you for taking the time to come back on the show. I had reached out to you, I think, a couple weeks ago, and you were more than gracious. So thanks for being with me again today. My pleasure. Thank you. This is Henry Lopez, and thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. My guest today again was Jerry Detweiler. We release new episodes every Monday morning. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.